Welcome to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We hope the following program will challenge you and encourage you in your faith journey. Today on Focus on the Family with Jim Daly, we'll explore the issue of in-laws and how that relationship will impact your marriage. And Jim, there is a warning that we might have for women about extended families. Uh, I believe this applies to us guys as well. Did you know that when you married your prince, you also inherited the king, the queen, and the whole court, and maybe even a court jester as well. Well, I think everyone can relate, John. Uh, there's always that weird Uncle Bob somewhere <laughs> in the mix. But whenever this topic of in-laws comes up, you can feel the tension in the air. Hmm. We've all heard the mother-in-law jokes and stories on social media about crazy encounters with her parents or his parents. Uh, sometimes those relationships don't go as smoothly as you might expect or perhaps hope for. And like I said, uh, we don't often think about the extended family we're marrying into and how those relationships will impact our marriage. So today, we're going to offer you some practical ideas about how to establish healthy boundaries with your in-laws in God-honoring ways. And when we've addressed this topic in the past, uh, Jim, we've pointed to research that says that when you have a healthy relationship with your in-laws, it actually helps your marriage pretty substantially. Well, that's right. And that was certainly true for Jean and me. And I regret that my wife, Jean, didn't get the in-law experience because my folks had passed away years ago. And I believe Jean and my mom would have really hit it off mm. uh, and become close friends. I think they really would have. On the other hand, uh, Jean's parents were uh, alive uh, up until recently. So we had that experience. And, you know, there's always those little things, but they were so kind toward us. And I love when we would take the kids and, you know, they'd spend time with the kids, mm -hmm. uh, usually up here in Estes Park in Colorado. They love coming there. It was just a great memory for us. Uh, that's the kind of relationship we want to help you aim for with your in-laws. It might not be perfect, but it can be healthy and good. Yeah, we have some experts to help us better unpack and uh, understand these dynamics. Uh, Drs. Henry Cloud and John Townsend uh, were in our studio a while ago, and uh, they talked about marriage and in-laws, and both men are psychologists, authors, and popular speakers, and I'm pretty sure they're sons-in-laws as well. Uh, they're most famous for their series of books about boundaries in relationships. Now, you can learn more about our guests and their book, Boundaries, when you call 800, the letter A in the word family, 800-232-6459, or stop by focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. Jim, here's how you began the conversation with Drs. Townsend and Cloud on today's episode of Focus on the Family. Let's talk about the general atmosphere out there. When you're counseling and engaging couples, how often is the in-law issue uh, involved in marital problems? Jim, it's huge. Um, <laughs> what you find a lot of times is you set a really good line about the space that they allow. And um, there's a good appropriate space to allow where at the same time there's a commonality and a history and a friendship. You know, when I was thinking about uh, Ruth uh, in the book of Ruth, her, her mother-in-law, Naomi, had a wonderful relationship. So they're really good relationships. Mm -hmm. But it comes down to the problems being when something, either the husband or the wife, hasn't allowed them to do the leaving and cleaving they need, then the in-law problem gets worse. And it comes in and feeling controlled, feeling helicopter parented, feeling told what to do, they feel intrusive. And you've got to be an advocate for your marriage. So it's a big problem. Mm. In fact, Cambridge University, they came out with a study where they identified 60% of women felt that conflict with their mother-in-law 
uh, caused long-term stress. 60% of married women. That's remarkable in my mind. And two-thirds of women felt like their mother-in-laws were jealous of the marriage. Hmm. Uh, That's probably a common theme, I would think, that this mother has raised her little precious little boy, (laughs) and now he's in the arms of another woman. And how does a mom deal with that in a healthy way? And what's going on there? Well, you know, a lot of times you hear it talked about between the mother-in-law and the daughter-in-law, right? But, But a lot of times what that really speaks to is a young man who has not properly separated mm-hmm. and individuated from their own family. And so the poor wife is getting pulled into this struggle that would have been there, you know, whether she was there or not. And so the Bible talks about leaving and cleaving, and there is a balance that is very important. It is so important to have multi-generational in-law great relationships. There's grandparenting relationships that are so important. There's help. There's all sorts of stuff. And so you've got to have the high value of in-laws and at the same time get a couple of things right. And it comes down, in my view, to governance and resources. Well, what I hear you also implying in that is it's worth the effort to develop that relationship. Absolutely. I think a lot it's of a pe- treasure. Well, and a lot of people, when you enter the marriage covenant, it's in their minds, the married spouse is saying, I did not sign up for this. I did not sign up to have to engage your mother or your father. And you begin to just immediately set that up as an adversarial relationship right. instead of a golden opportunity to treasure your spouse in a way that I think the Lord would be pleased with. And actually, they are signing up for it. <laughs> they just don't know it. That's, that's and, part and of the package. And get to know them while you're dating. Because you are signing up. Right. Well, that's a great point. So take the time to spend time. Don't avoid them. Yeah. Um, They're going to be around you all all your life. They should be friends. I mean, it's one of the richest potential relationships that anybody can ever have. Mm -hmm. And it's very important to work on. Uh, Earlier this year, I asked a question on my my blog. We did a blog on this idea of in-laws and how is your relationship with your in-laws. We had hundreds of people respond, uh, both in a positive direction, but also in a negative direction. Uh, About 40% of those who responded reported positive in-law experiences. Uh, but among wives, that number dropped uh, almost 10 points. Um, they, it seems that the tension between wife and mother-in-law is higher than the other combination uh, with a husband to her mom and dad. What is unique about that? What is driving some of that angst that's particular to a wife and the parents of the husband? Well, there's a couple of things going on. One, what Henry mentioned, was the mom whose son has not really done the leaving and cleaving yet. So she's still his golden child or his little boy or that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. He could be 35 years old. But the other thing is I think that sometimes the wife will experience this at a deeper level because she's more made for relationship than we are, you know, than men are. She's more the connector and the attacher. So any kind of disruptions in the relationship affect her more. But let me cut to the chase on this, I think, um, Jim, is if you've got that problem, the very best thing you can do if you're in the middle of it and you've got the feeling intruded upon and feeling left out is that the spouse who's got the intrusive mother-in-law has got to have the talk and say, I love you guys, but I prefer my spouse, and she comes number one or he comes number one above you, and I've got to put them first mm. because so many 
wives especially will say, well, he never says that. He just lets them do what they want, and, and, and he never says that I come first, and I feel sort of like I don't matter. And I would think many husbands, they don't want that battle. They just have learned to uh, live with the, um, you know, the emotional relationship with their moms, and they haven't done anything to leave and cleave right. and to build that healthy distance. Yeah, and I think it's important for them, you know, I'll just sit down together and say, let's talk about, because what's really important is that we have really good relationships and we want time with you guys. And we also have to figure out, you know, how to establish our own family. And so vacations or, you know, holidays, all of that, let's really talk about how we can have a really good balance here to to have our own family and have the extended family. Let me read one of the quotes that came in on the blog site. One woman wrote and said, my mother-in-law is meddling, intrusive, and overbearing. And worst of all, she lives with us. Hmm. Wow, um, she's got to deal with this. If that is the underlying uh, reaction that she's having to her mother-in-law's presence. Here you've done the right thing, in my view, which is to take in your elderly parents. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a great thing to do. Uh, it's one of the worst things in Western culture. We don't do that well. Um, but here, in essence, you've invited the what she perceives to be the cancer into the home. What mm-hmm. would you yeah, say but, to her? But it's like having any kind of person in your life. There would have to be some covenants and ground rules set about the nature of the relationship, how much time we spend together and the nature of that. And a lot of times just a discussion that was never had. So, I mean, you do want to welcome them. And and if she's experiencing mother-in-law as a cancer, sometimes that's a judgment on the mother-in-law because the wife herself hasn't been able to be clear about expectations and what works and what doesn't work. Well, it's fascinating, too. Uh, you know, I studied in Japan at Waseda for a year when I was in college, and I lived with a Japanese family, and I got a, a really interesting insight into that culture living it and the deference that they pay to mother-in-laws, in particular in the Asian culture. It kind of tips in the other direction. There's a very high expectation of the daughter-in-law that that daughter-in-law will clean the home and do the grocery shopping and actually, in many ways, almost be a servant to the mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. And mother laws had to do it when they were daughter-in-laws, so the expectation is quite high. In Western culture, we're so independent, it is about the immediate family. I don't really care that much if I'm connected to the extended family. I mean, that's some of the attitude out yeah, there. Yeah, and that's sad. And those yeah, seem missing to me out. the two extremes, you know, that it, you actually become almost a slave in that Asian context, or you're totally disconnected in the Western context. What's a biblical framework? Well, I think the biblical framework is that there is a multi-generational tie, and that's very clear in the Bible. At the same time, there's a leaving and cleaving in terms of where the primary unit is. And I think one of the ways to think about this is where the governance is. You know, for each family unit has got to be in control of making its decisions about parenting and about, you know, all the values and all that kind of stuff. And at the same time, permeable boundaries where there's input and discussions and learning and all of that, but ultimately where they govern their own family unit without losing 
the ties in the relationship. I think at times some of us can uh, kind of shake this off because we don't have bad experiences in this regard. And we couldn't imagine a marriage being on the line because of in-law issues. But again, let me read two quotes that we got off the blog and have you respond to this in general. Uh, One was from a woman. She writes, my mother-in-law expects my husband to put her needs first over mine. Um, well, you can just stop right there. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, seriously, that that just doesn't work. Right. And so that wife is struggling because the created order that God designed is being violated. And the husband needs to know. It's the husband's problem. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. She goes on to say, I don't think our marriage will survive this. That was the point I wanted to drive to. This is such a deep wound in her that she's not being placed in the right position uh, relationally that sh- she's willing to give up. Right. These vows. But well, you go back to who's got to take the next step, and it's really the husband. You really don't blame the mother-in-law for those things because she may not know what the ground rules are. She may not know what the expectations are, and she's just maybe she has no boundaries and she's sort of, you know, over-involved. But the husband needs to stand up and in a loving way to let his mom know that his marriage comes first, but he really mm-hmm. wants her involved. And so when the daughter-in-law is trying to solve it with the mother-in-law, there's kind of a no-win there. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems that, that there's a tough conversation that has to happen then for that wife to address her husband to say, this is not working so much so that right. I don't think we can make it. And then for the husband to go against 30, maybe 40 years of training mm-hmm from mom that if he sits down and has this conversation, I can just imagine the fireworks that he has to face. Right. Uh, boy, that is a real dilemma. Well, especially uh, if he, with those 34 years of training, you may not be able to do it that night. He may need to sit down with somebody he trusts and talk about what life is really about. Like, why did you get married? Because it's clear, leave all others, forsake all others. And to kind of return to that and, and kind of get a new perspective on his values. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of these problems can be avoided when there's a very loving, respectful conversation that happens where the couple goes to the in-law parents and, and says, you know what, we love you guys, and we we want to spend time with you. We want to hang out. We, we want to figure out how that works. So let's just kind of talk about what that would look like and what everybody's expectations are and have an adult conversation about it where they really feel valued and cared about and then you avert a lot of this. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Man, I knew my marriage was falling apart. I just didn't know how to fix it. I felt like I would always be alone, even if I stayed married. At Focus on the Family's Hope Restored Marriage Intensive, we offer hope to couples in crisis so they can have the marriage they've always dreamed of. For the first time, I felt like my husband truly heard me. I've received some great tools from the counselors that have changed my life and my marriage. To begin the journey of finding health, go to HopeRestored.com today. Oh, hey, Mike. Got here as soon as I could. What's going on, man? Hey, I just wanted to give you an update on my marriage. Is it good news? Yeah. Our marriage is going great right now. I couldn't be happier. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. It's like a solid 5 out of 10. (laughs) Having a marriage that's just okay isn't where couples really want to live. Give yourself and your spouse an all-inclusive weekend where you'll slow your pace and focus on each other. Get more details at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash getaway. That's FocusOnTheFamily.com slash getaway. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Uh, Let me ask this question on behalf of the wife who is right there. I mean, she's struggling in this area. 
How, how does she talk to her husband about that difficulty, uh, what she's experiencing, and her feelings about it? I think it's very important that she starts from the vulnerable position and not the angry position. Mm. That she talks about how sometimes I feel um, a little ignored in our relationship, and sometimes it feels like uh, you're you're a little more attuned and caring about what your mom wants than sometimes what I need, and I end up feeling lonely and sad. That's very different than coming at it with, you don't pay attention to me and you don't do it. You know, it's just a totally different conversation. Well, that's good advice. Again, it's so natural. You know, when we look at this and we apply all of these things, all of these truths that we've been talking to, to life, isn't it interesting that when we rely on our flesh to resolve the conflict, meaning we go to anger, we go to uh, more radical expressions of our emotion rather than a biblical expression of our emotion, which is, this is how I'm feeling. This is how you're hurting me. Can you help me? Um, It's amazing how much more trauma we create, but we're working out of our own fleshly nature in that regard, aren't we? That's right. And whenever, you know, the Bible says the wrath of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. And there are very few problems that leading with anger is going to get a good result. Why do we keep going to that well? Well, because I think it's, um, you know, when we experience loss or frustration, we want to protest it. It's a natural emotion to protest it. And protest is good, but the anger should kind of give us the signal to, I've got to get proactive and protest this problem, but do it in a way that's going to have a good resolution in God's formula of speaking the truth in love. Mm. Now, in your book, Boundaries in Marriage, you talk about some of the things that can create problems Uh, between a husband and a wife. Uh, I think you call that intruders. Uh, You include in-laws on that list. Yeah, well, think about what is required to have a good marriage. I mean, you've got to have the love and the truth between you. You're building a family. You're building a culture. You're working on finances and parenting and all the things that create the next 40 or 50 years. There are all sorts of intruders that come in and kind of undo what you're doing. There's cultural intruders. There's um, there's sometimes friends that are kind of toxic. And if you haven't done the leaving and cleaving, sometimes the mother-in-law and father-in-law can be seen that way. So your first job is to guard what you're trying to create in this family structure. And that's your primary responsibility is mm. to guard it from the intruders. But you don't make the mother-in-law and the father-in-law the bad guys here. You make the fact that you're vulnerable to that or still need them in some way, and you fix it within the couple. Well, let's go back to some of those examples we talked about from the blog post we did. Um, If there is that kind of conflict, that deep conflict, where I don't think my marriage is going to survive, let's role play a little bit. I'm the husband, and talk to me and my wife about how we need to address this issue. Just help me understand. I mean, we're at the brink of divorce here, and it's because of the in-laws. We kind of still love each other, but this frustration runs so deep. Um, What would you counsel me to do? What can I do first to engage uh, the problem? Well, I think the very first thing is it's not about the in-laws. That's a symptom. Yeah, if their marriage is about to break up, there is something that he is not getting about the level of distress that she's in. And whether it doesn't matter what the topic is, if you've got a guy that is so unplugged from the amount of misery that she's in, that's the first point. Okay, so like you've got to work on that you gotta together work on that. as a couple. Say, say, you know, 
your marriage is in a lot of pain and something is breaking down in the two of yours ability to hear each other's needs and pain and to respond to that well. We can figure out the practical part of solving, you know, the family relationships later. But how have you guys gotten so apart in this? Because that's the first part of the problem. And the second part of the problem is your view of the function of marriage as God designed it. So many people think that marriage is supposed to make me happy. So my wife or my husband, their task is to make me a happy person. God never intended it that way. Marriage is supposed to make me grow. Mm. And sometimes growing means confrontation and dealing with reality. And then I get happy because we're growing together. But we've got to get happiness off as the primary goal of marriage. The primary goal of marriage is to grow. Uh, There's a collective sigh as people hear that, John. I mean, because so much of our culture, even in Christian circles, is about my happiness, my joy, Uh, not necessarily what the Lord wants for me. And you don't make me happy the way my mom made me happy. Correct. Mm -hmm. And that comparison and that need to uh, step up. We've lost the covenant relationship in marriage and turned it into the contract. And you're you're hitting on something I think is the core problem, not just in in-law relationships, but in our marriages, that it is about my happiness and about what I want and what I perceive I need. And uh, wow, that is a whole bucket of issues that we need to deal with. Uh, let me say, though, in the role-playing, let's say I'm one of your, you know, my wife and I are one of your better patients. And so we've tried to mend these big issues. She feels better defended in that relationship with the in-laws. But now, how do we finish that process, and what kind of discussion do we have with father-in-law and mother-in-law? How should that play out? We go to dinner. We're at the dinner table. What should we be saying? Well, I wouldn't do this at dinner. That's a dumb idea. <laughs> no, no, seriously. I mean, if it is at that point, what... What is wrong with going to the in-laws and saying, you know what, we love you guys, and and we want our relationship to be strong. We've had some struggles in figuring out what you want from us and, and what we need from you and all of that, and we haven't done a good job at talking about it. So we'd like to invite you to sit down and let's talk about our expectations and talk about how we can have a good relationship and what all of us need here. And then I would go further, Jim, that this is worth it to say, and if we can't do that alone, why don't we go see a good family counselor together, all four mm. of us? Mm. You know, so many problems with the in-laws can be solved when you do the hard work as a couple, and the in-laws just, most of them, unless it's really serious like in what Henry was talking about, most of them appreciate that. I, I remember when um, our kids were really young, and my mom, I'm the firstborn, so my mom had never had grandkids before. And so she's kind of trying to figure it out. And we're at dinner, you know, my wife and kids and my parents. And one of my kids acted out, I don't know, talked too loud or threw something or whatever. And my mom came in as the mom disciplining my son. And I thought, okay, i got to nip this in the bud. Mm-hmm. So my mom and I had a little sidebar conversation. Mm-hmm. And I just said, look, this is new for all of us, but can you just come to me and say, you know, Ricky's doing whatever. And she got it. She goes, well, thanks. You know, this is, I'm kind of trying to figure this out, too. So it's just the, the, the conversation doesn't have to be bad. They appreciate sometimes that kind of structure and value. Mm-hmm. You know, with the blog post, there was one that caught my attention. It was so positive. And I think it's important to let everybody know of this example. 
this young man wrote in and said, I became engaged a week ago, and my future in-laws are part of the reason that I proposed. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes on to say, they've always been kind and hospitable to me, and they were overjoyed when I asked them for permission to marry their daughter. Um that's a very positive statement, isn't it? This is a young man who's looking to the future, and actually that's part of his proposal is looking at the relationship with the in-laws. Mm-hmm. That's healthy, don't you think? Oh, it's very healthy, and it it really bodes well um, for the future relationship they can have if you're starting out on a good track. And I would say to all the singles out there or the engaged Couples get this right from day one. You know, establish that healthy relationship and show them that you care and and respect them and all that, and it'll go a lot better later. That's Dr. Henry Cloud, our guest today on Focus on the Family, joined by his colleague, Dr. John Townsend, and uh, they're sharing insights about marriage and family relationships. They've written so well about uh, these topics in the book Boundaries When to Say Yes when to say no to take control of your life. And John, this has been a great conversation today about some of the common pitfalls husbands and wives can experience when they haven't navigated that relationship with their in-laws very well. That's probably why we have so many in-law jokes, right? Mm -hmm. And the core message we keep coming back to is the importance of good communication, not perfect. You can't expect to have healthy boundaries in your marriage or with your extended family if you haven't taken the time to sit down and talk about it. I bet your spouse has some great insights about Mm -hmm. your (laughs) (laughs) in-laws. This issue is so important for couples to get right, and we plan to come back next time with more from Henry and John. Uh, We'll discuss how you can reap the benefits of a healthy, loving relationship with your in-laws, how that will strengthen your own marriage and be a blessing to your children. But in the meantime, I want to recommend you get a copy of John and Henry's book, Boundaries. This is a must-read resource for every marriage and every Christian because there's so much more content in this book about healthy relationships beyond the topic of in-laws. We can send you a copy of Boundaries when you make a pledge of any amount to focus on the family today. Your ongoing support uh, every month helps provide the fuel we need to strengthen marriages, equip parents, and share God's love with hurting people. And if a pledge is more than you can do right now, I get it. A one-time gift is fine. Just uh, let us know, and we'll send you the book as our way of saying thank you. Yeah, request the book Boundaries by Drs. Cloud and Townsend. When you donate generously, uh, call 800, the letter A in the word family, 800-232-6459, or stop by focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. And it might be that this conversation has surfaced some concerns that you have about your own marriage or family relationships. Please know that we have a team of caring Christian counselors here at Focus on the Family ready to help. Uh, Donors make it possible for us to offer you a one-time phone consultation with one of those counselors. So call today and request to speak with one of them. Our number again, 800, the letter A, and the word family. Next time, you'll hear more from Drs. Cloud and Townsend about healthy ways to interact with your in-laws. For now, on behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller, inviting you back as we once more help you and your family thrive in Christ. listening to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We'll take a quick break and then return with the second half of this program 
for your family. Stay tuned. Did you know nearly 60% of American adults don't have a will in place? That's a big number, and not having a will can leave a heavy burden for family left behind. If you need a will but don't know where to begin, let Focus on the Family help. Download our resource, 15 Questions to Ask When Preparing a Will. It's our gift to you at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash PrepareMyWill. That's FocusOnTheFamily.com slash PrepareMyWill. On today's Focus on the Family, we're going to examine a very important relationship that can have really a profound effect uh, and impact on your marriage, and that's the relationship you have with your in-laws. I'm John Fuller, and our host is Focus President and author Jim Daly. And uh, Jim, last time we talked with some good friends, Drs. Henry Cloud and John Townsend, about this. And here's a comment from Dr. Townsend that really summarizes their perspective on this. Think about what is required to have a good marriage. I mean, you've got to have the love and the truth between you. You're building a family. You're building a culture. You're working on finances and parenting and all the things that create the next 40 or 50 years. There are all sorts of intruders that come in and kind of undo what you're doing. There's cultural intruders. There's um, there's sometimes friends that are kind of toxic. And if you haven't done the leaving and cleaving, sometimes the mother-in-law and father-in-law can be seen that way. So your first job is to guard what you're trying to create in this family structure, and that's your primary responsibility is Mm. to guard it from the intruders. But you don't make the mother-in-law and the father-in-law the bad guys here. Well, and that comment does grab the essence of what we discussed last time and some of the dynamics that are in play when it comes to in-law relationships. We know that these relationships can be contentious, and uh, you know we make jokes about it. And some mm-hmm. couples uh, will struggle more than others with that relationship with their in-laws. But as we continue this conversation with Drs. Cloud and Townsend, um, John, hopefully we can shed some light on what creates those friction points in your family and how you can work through those issues to have a healthier, happier relationship with your in-laws. And our guests, uh, we've identified them already, are well-known authors, radio hosts, and psychologists. And they've written or co-written more than 25 books dealing with family and Uh, other relationships. And we've been referring here in our conversation to two of those books. One is Boundaries, and the other is Boundaries in Marriage. And then, Jim, I like this. You posted uh, something on your blog and had quite an avalanche of response there. We did. We had more than 300 people who responded with stories and comments about their relationships with the in-laws. And to be honest, I can't wait to dive back into this discussion because there is a lot of potential to improve your relationships. And let me just say to Henry and John, welcome back to Focus on the Family. Great to be here. Good to be here. Uh, Now, we've already addressed the negative side of this, and it can be positive. That's what we want people to understand. Uh, Let's start by talking about healthy boundaries when a couple is doing this right. Um, Maybe we should role play with that. Um, Let's say, John, that I've I've got a problem. Um, I'm coming to you for counseling, and my marriage is on the line here. I mean, we've had frustrations, and they've just reached the boiling point, and we don't know how to deal with it. Um, maybe my mother-in-law is driving me crazy, which doesn't happen. I love my mother-in-law. But just for example's sake, uh, let's say she's manipulating my wife. She convinces her how to spend our money and how the house should look and just over-involved. And you know what? I've just gotten to the point where I'm fed up with it. And uh, I don't know that I can maintain this relationship with all this stress on me. Uh, Did I set that up okay? (laughs) Yeah, and we've heard a thousand times, guys. And 
it's really easy to make the mother-in-law the bad guy now. She's ruining my marriage. She's ruining my wife. As opposed to what's the structure in your own marriage that's allowing this to happen? You know, maybe the mother-in-law is not aware of the fact that this is happening. Maybe she's just kind of like a dependent person, or maybe she has some controlling tendencies. But it's when you've got to have the husband-wife talk to talk about What's healthy for us? What works for us so that we love each other, we put each other first, and then how do we welcome mom in on our own level? And so you keep mom. It's really easy to blame the third party when they're not there to defend themselves, but most of the time it's a problem in the structure of the marriage itself. Solve that. And it's an excellent, yeah, it's worth investing. That's the point. In fact, there was uh, more research by a woman named Terry Arbuck who uh, spent 25 years studying 400 families. And she found that men who get along with their in-laws are 20% more likely to have lasting marriages. So when we talk about silver bullets in our marriages and the desire as Christians to make sure that we have a healthy, vibrant relationship with our spouse, the research is showing that part of that includes having a healthy relationship with your in-laws. Is it that critical? I think it's very, very important. It's part of God's design. The multi-generational family is the way you set it up, that to honor your parents, it goes, you know, from the beginning all, you know, sort of like the womb to the tomb. And it's very clear in the scriptures. In fact, in the New Testament, it says that we're to make a return to our parents and actually begin to take care of them in some ways. Where people get lost in the weeds is there's a difference in honoring and obeying. The Bible says children obey your parents, but everybody's supposed to honor their parents. And it's when the parents have the governing authority of a married couple, that's when things go haywire. Well, let's roll the film back 25 years. And what's happening in that parent-child relationship at that moment that is sowing the seeds for this dysfunction 25 years from now when Junior is about to marry. Uh, What is going on there? Are we putting the kids in a place that they're even um, being treated better than your marriage is being treated? Are we creating that problem because our kids are more the center of the family than we are as married couples? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a number of scenarios that don't work that actually interrupt God's leaving and cleaving process. One of them is the young man who is still dependent on mom and dad for emotional support. So he can't kind of survive without their advice. Sometimes it's the golden child that, you know, mom and dad give him the attaboys and the trophies, and he, he comes home to this wife who says, you know, you hadn't picked up your socks. So he, then his mother says, you know, you're the fourth member of the Trinity. Well, you know, he hasn't li- been leaving and cleaving either. Sometimes it's the rescuing one where... It's financial where, ties. Financial sometimes. ties, mm-hmm. rescuing where you feel like I've got to take care of mom and dad because I've always been the glue that held them together. They're the reason I was the reason that they stayed married because I kept everybody happy so the best thing you can do if you're looking down the corridors of time at your own kids getting ready for this problem is to make sure your kids are equipped for life without you so that they love you but they don't need you but it's a great relationship but it's not a need-based relationship and that they want to that they want to be out on their own and have autonomy then you solve a lot of this Uh, you know you're touching on something I think we should dig in a little bit on because I've experienced that Uh, with couples who have talked with me about difficulty they're facing, particularly in the 20, 30-something category where um, there's this prolonged adolescence that's Which is also the getting married category. Right. The adolescence is happening at the same time that they're getting married. So Correct. And this idea of an 
unhealthy relationship with your parents, especially for young men, that mom has taken care of them. I mean, they, they in fact, Jean, yeah, and, my and, wife Jean was telling me just the other day, college campuses now, you can pick from a menu of services where you can get your laundry done, you can have catered meals. I mean, think of the impact on that for young men, particularly, that, hey, mom and dad, I mean, I'm going off to college, but I'd like this this whole list of services to be provided, my laundry, my shirts are pressed. Or I can drive home to you, Mom, and you can do my laundry. Who's, which choice do you want? <laughs> right. Okay, you get know it what? done it's at even, college. It's even worse than that. Schools, I've read articles where schools now have had to set up offices, entire divisions that deal with parents day to day. Because it used to be when you go to college, you call home once a week. Well, now with texting and cell phones, it's like parents are involved in dorm room conflicts and all this kind of stuff in the day-to-day life of college students. Mm. When we look at that and we talk about boundaries, some that are not trained, what are some of the red flags? Let's say you're the mother of a a son who's 23 and he's about to get married. What would be some of the conscientious red flags that maybe I haven't done the job? What would you look for in your relationship with your son or daughter that foretells a bad situation uh, when they get married? Well, one of them would be the over-dependency. Okay. I got to tell a funny story. I was at breakfast um, with my girls who are 10 and 12, and I said, so what kind of guys do you think you want to marry? My 10-year-old says, well, I know what I don't want. Hmm. I said, really, what? She goes, I don't want somebody who's 40 and lives on his mother's couch. <laughs> I mean, they Ouch. didn't even see it. You know, it, it, hmm. it's just, it's not normal for an adult to still be dependent on their parents. And so parents have really got a role to play in this launching Right and not enabling your adult 22, 23, 24, 25-year-old to be living like they're 14. That's absolutely true. And, and again, um, you know, so many write to us where their marriages in the first year or two are falling apart because my spouse, man, she does not do what my mom did for me. We've got to train our kids to be ready for that. Yeah, and one of the best things, if you're in that situation you just said, that a couple can do is if the man really feels like my wife doesn't, you know, affirm or respect or support or whatever like like my mother-in-law did, he needs to get in a good men's group mm. where there's other guys that are talking about the responsibility of a man and how to get connected and have good friendships. And it takes a lot of the pressure off the wife to perform as he thinks that she should because he's comparing it to the mom. Mm-hmm. He needs to get some other sources of support. So it takes the pressure off her so she can just be a person with him. Well, and typically I would think uh, wives are going to be connected emotionally this way because they're better at it. They're going to feel the nuance in the relationships with the in-laws, both directions. Um, what are those proactive things that a young couple should do Uh, to nurture a healthy relationship with their in-laws. What should young men be thinking about what they can do with their father and mother-in-law to let their spouse know, I care about you enough to love them? I think you've hit a nail on the head. I think proactive is the word. I think if you're reaching out and you're inviting them over to dinner, if you're showing them 
that you want to spend time with them and you want to do these things, then you're taking the first step and you're showing respect and you're showing love and you're building a positive relationship. We have concentrated on a lot of the negatives and uh, we want to talk about the positives of investing into that relationship with your in-laws. Let's hit some of those takeaways that when you invest in the right way, uh, the dividend of a a healthier marriage is going to be there. Mm -hmm. Uh, What are some of those positives and why should we go to the effort of investing? Guys, there are just so many of those to have a great multi-generational family. First off, you've got just the wisdom of being around people who have been through the life and can uh, and offer a big perspective when you know, you're upside down with kids or, or finances or life or whatever. A second one is um, that our children need somebody to aspire to, and they're supposed to aspire to be like us as parents, but then they have another whole generation to aspire to. That's that's what I want to be like. I want to be like grandma. I want to be like granddad. So we're giving them great models. And it's healthy. And it's so mm-hmm. healthy. And then the third one is a sense of legacy, that here's our family all the way through the ages. Here's how we've done it. And they're part of that big kind of the, the generational path that's bigger than us, but we, we fit into. So these are great benefits to a family that welcomes in-laws. Mm. I think the grandparenting thing is so huge that grandparents are so important to children and also to the couple. I mean, to have some help, who doesn't want that, right? And to learn the values and the discipline and for kids to learn that they got to obey somebody else besides just mom and dad and, and, and value them. I think that that's a huge one. I think another one, though, is just the sheer fun of what it means to have adult relationships with parents. Mm-hmm. And I would add to that, that that there's a lot of good reparenting. I have seen so many situations where one of the spouses came from a situation where they lost a parent or they didn't have good parenting and their relationship with their mother-in-law or father-in-law was very, very healing in their lives. And that's a great opportunity if you do this well. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. I was convinced that nothing could change what was going on in our marriage, and I didn't want to try anymore. But my commitment to God helped me try one more time. We went to a Hope Restored Marriage Intensive, and it was life-changing. The counselors created the safest environment we could imagine, so that let us really talk We're on a much different course now, and I believe we received a miracle that week. Receive your free consultation at HopeRestored.com. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Uh, We've talked about this idea of leaving and cleaving and the importance of that, and it comes differently to everybody. I think that's a very individual experience. There's general buckets it dawns on me uh, that my experience with that um, was actually facing my father when I was 11. Um, you know, I'd come out of foster care. My dad and mom divorced when I was five. And there I was. I came out of a very bad foster care situation. My biological father reappeared on the scene. And we lived with him for a year, my sister and I. The other three siblings were grown and out of the house. But she was 17 and I was uh, 11. And at the end of that year, my dad was still struggling with alcoholism. And the siblings and I, we got together and we just thought it would be unwise for me when my sister turned 18 to remain living with my father. And I had to face him in a family meeting 
mm-hmm. at 11 years old. And uh, my siblings were probably right in this coaching, but it was hard. But they said, Dad's going to have to hear it from you because mm-hmm. if he doesn't hear it from you, he won't believe it. Mm-hmm. And so I sat in that living room on that day and I told my dad I didn't want to live with him. And that was a moment for me where I kind of went from being a boy to being a man. Mm -hmm. And when he looked at me and he said, why not? And I was thinking, boy, what do I answer to that? And I just said, well, because of the way you treated mom and the way you're treating me. And to his credit, he got up and he came across the room and he hugged me and he said, I wasn't a good husband and I wasn't a good father. But Man, I had to face that, and that was the day mm. I kind of left him emotionally. Mm-hmm. And he died a year later just to add pain to it. But I think it set me up in a very unusual way, in a healthy way, when I was courting Jean to understand the special relationship that I would have with her mom and dad. I've never thought about that until now as mm. we've been talking today. But that is the mechanism that God can use. It's that moment when you say, you're no longer responsible for me. Right. I'm going to be responsible for me. And a good way to describe that, I think, is the word under. And that's the one the Bible uses. If you go to Galatians 4, Paul says, when we were children, we were under guardians and managers until the date set forth by the Father. And that's kind of the bar mitzvah, you know, where you're launched, or the bat mitzvah. And Leaving and cleaving is its a lot of things, but part of it is that day, Jim, you said, you know what, I'm not going to be under this behavior anymore. I'm choosing a different place to go. And when you say you became a man, it was the under relationship. And so when a married couple is under the family of origin parents, that's God's created order out of whack. Mm. The other part of that, I mean, I'm so, I'm still kind of struck by the emotion of what you had to go through at, mm-hmm. at that age. Is um, when you look at the passage we've been talking about all this time, Genesis two, where it says leave and cleave. The word in the Hebrew to leave actually means to abandon or make desolate. So there's this ripping apart, and mm-hmm. you were having to face that at a probably too young an age to do that, but it was ripping him apart and you apart too. That's why, as good parents, we're supposed to help our kids do that in a ways that don't damage anybody. But it, it can sound like such a contradiction, a healthy ripping apart. I mean, it, <laughs> well, but it is what we're trying well, to do. But, but let's put it into the total picture. What are you ripping apart in the healthy scenario? You're not ripping apart the relationship. Mm-hmm. What you're ripping apart is the old structure of the relationship. So it's mom and dad... I'm going to still love you and honor you and be with you and value you. We're going to rip apart the old contract and have a new covenant with each other Mm -hmm. that's different. So we're going to rip apart where you are the governing force in my life, and I'm going to have to take that responsibility. But we're not going to rip apart having a relationship. There's no less love. When you look at the culture today, though, there's so much dysfunction in family relationships. And I guess my question would be how, when we come to Christ and we come into that relationship and we have all this garbage that we have been brought up with, how do we shake those scales from our eyes to see truth, to see reality, to engage it and to do it in a healthy way? That's a big question. But so many young people are saying, 
I don't trust my parents. They divorced when I was young. I don't even trust the idea that I can have a marriage that'll work. Mm -hmm. I I don't believe I could have a good relationship with my in-laws. They're coming from such a deficit of unhealthiness that they don't see how it could be healthy. Well, the scales get ripped when you understand that the Bible teaches that there are two families, really. There's the family of origin, where it's the biological place or the family place where we all came from that did lots of good things and probably some dysfunction, too. But the second and the greater family is the family of God, where the Bible says that we are a family with each other. And it says in Ephesians that the body grows itself up in love. And so when you see that, that you've had these problems, you wonder if you're ready for marriage or not ready for marriage or whatever, or you're in a marriage and you don't have enough whatever, love or maturity or structure, you've got to reach out to God's solution, which is the second family. Find a healthy church, healthy believers, healthy small groups, a healthy therapist, and get all the antibodies and supplements you didn't get the first time around because the family of God fixes and repairs and supplements what the family of origin didn't do the first time around. Mm-hmm. Uh, speak to that uh, that individual who is has had some good modeling and is trying, but it's not being well received. I'm thinking of of someone I know who has tried desperately to reach out to those in laws, and um, and every good effort is failing. And there's a sense of I'll never be accepted here. I mean, they know what to do, and they're actually doing everything they can to reach out and have a good relationship, but it's kind of falling on deaf ears. I think the first thing that they have to do is to make sure that even though it's something that they desire, it's not something that they need, and that they're they're getting those those real needs met by the family of God. And as John was just saying, as John was just saying, and that way, if they're not in a dependent role in relation to them, then they're they're not going to be as hurt and they're not going to be as frustrated. And then I think you flip it, and it's exactly like the Bible says, where it says, in as much as it depends on you, be at peace mm-hmm. with, you know, with everybody else. And and I think you've got to figure out what's the level of relationship that they can have and have that level of relationship. Now, having said that, I think that there's an aspirational goal here as well. And the goal would be, if you really have tried and it's being rebuffed, to call them and say, can we get together and talk about something? And you sit down and you say, you know what? I, I love you guys. Um, I want to have a good relationship with you. I'm really doing what I know to do. I've invited you here in different places. And and for some reason, it doesn't feel like to me that you desire that or I'm doing it in some way that is hurtful. Or can you just help me know mm-hmm. why this isn't working? And have the conversation. You know, so many times we're talking about how to fix things or how to deal with things that that really haven't even ever been talked about. And we don't know sometimes where somebody can go in solving a problem until we get proactive in speaking the truth in love and trying to fix it. Mm-hmm. That's been the key to the whole discussion here. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the thing that keeps coming back over and over again is have appropriate openness within the family structure so you can resolve these conflicts as best as you can. And Jim, you know, the Bible puts us in a sandwich in that regard. It says if somebody has a problem with us, you know, if your brother has aught against you, it says, then put down your offering and go speak to them. So if they're bugged with us, we've got to take the first step. And then on the other side, it says, if you're bugged with somebody else, you got to take the first step. So 
what no what, free pass. Yeah, there's no free pass in being passive about trying to make a relationship work. And the onus of responsibility always falls a hundred percent on each individual to do what they can do. And in that context, if it doesn't go well, if they don't listen and you've done it in the appropriate way. I guess the additional scripture of kicking the dust off your feet, you can only do what you can do. It, well, it, there's it a few in between. But, but, yeah, people go from nothing to nuclear. Right. Because they're mm-hmm. conflict avoidant and afraid of having the tough talk, don't have the skills and all this. And they go from just not doing anything and feeling hurt or resentful or empty to, well, we're cutting it all off. and kicking the dust off. There's a lot of steps in between yeah. there. That's a good point. You want to make sure you're taking adequate steps, even redundantly. Having several conversations. Right. So you give it a fair chance. There are And bring people, in third parties. And, right. And that that's is, a good objective way to do it. That, you know, bring in your pastor or, or bring in a counselor and have somebody that can sit down and try to find the meeting ground of what both sides need. Mm. Yeah. What I've heard here, Jim, too, is that uh, I think Henry used the word aspirational. I think all of us uh, would want to have really good relationships. Uh, between not just our spouses, but also with our in-laws. And and as parents, of course, we want to have good relationships with whoever marries our children. So there's a heart here that says we all want the same thing. It may look differently to you. We may have to figure out a way to get there. But uh, I've been encouraged by that observation that you've got that most all of us want to have good relationships with those in-laws. That's such a good word, John, to close out this two-day conversation with our guests, Drs. Henry Cloud and John Townsend. As Henry shared just a few moments ago, Romans twelve eighteen says, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And I'm certain those words apply in this context for the extended family of your spouse. Uh, it's such a challenge at times. But try to find the bright spots and know that these relationships are formed for a purpose. Uh, I think, you know, for Gene and I, we're always looking at, um, especially those within the family that don't know the Lord, what do we need to say? What do we need to do? Mm-hmm. So here at Focus, we want to help you experience God's peace and grace in your marriage and family and in those extended relationships. And that's why we're telling you about resources like uh, John and Henry's book, Boundaries when to say yes, when to say no, to take control of your life. I mean, the title really says it, doesn't it? And if you can make a monthly pledge of any amount to focus on the family today, we'll send you the book as our way of saying thank you for supporting the ministry. And if you need to speak to a counselor, we can facilitate that. Uh, We have a team of caring Christian counselors who can pray with you and give you additional resources to help you move forward in a healthy direction. Yeah, we want to help and equip your family in any way we can. And so please donate uh, as you're able. Get the book Boundaries by our guests and connect with a counselor if that would be of benefit to you. Our toll-free number is 800-232-6459. 800-the-letter-A-in-the-word-family. Or stop by focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. And if a monthly pledge is more than you can commit to at this time, uh, we'd still love to hear from you. A one-time gift will be really appreciated, and we can still send John and Henry's book right out to you. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller, inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ. 